the end of Lost has happened. It happened five years ago, but we're just getting started diving into it today on the five-year anniversary of the Lost series finale here on Lost Lives. I'm Josh Wiggler, and I am joined here by a man who has been a good number two throughout Lost Lives. It's Mike Bloom. You mean you mean the, the Ben number two, right? Not the other meaning of number two? Well, when we're talking about Trisha Tanaka is dead, I do mean the other meaning. <laughs> I was saddened that you didn't say the end is over just because that's the most like redundant thing I would have ever heard. I was thinking about it and then that thought occurred to me that that seems a little redundant. Let's shake it up. Yeah, just it's, like, it's like saying ATM machine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, two machines. The AT machine machine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But here we are. We're talking about the end, five-year anniversary of the end of the series finale of Lost here with, again, a, a pretty good, pretty, pretty good number two, Mike Bloom. Um, Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I got to explore this episode once more. I watched it the previous night before recording this, and there's definitely some moments that, that really brought up those that uh, these emotional qualities in me that I experienced the first time. There were some new emotions. There were some moments where I kind of said, ah, maybe this isn't a perfect episode. But as I talked about on our episode rankings podcast, which at this point was like a long what, time like ago, nine months ago at this long point. time ago. Yeah. Our episode rankings here. are having a baby. Yeah. So they're having a baby in a flash sideways universe and everybody is crying. And that's and now we're having flashes of uh, of uh, hot, that baby. hot flash sideways is happening right now. <laughs> uh, but as I talked about on that on that podcast, uh, this ranks probably my top ten episodes of Lost, just because I think the the strengths very very much outweigh the weaknesses. So I am always thrilled to talk about stuff with you, but I'm extra thrilled to talk about this episode with you. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. Uh, this is an episode that obviously it's it's near and dear to my heart as well. I I've been hard on the final season of Lost. Uh, recently, I had you know in the past couple of weeks, I had a podcast with my good buddy Coconut Pete, who came on my buddy from college, who came on and, and gave a really pretty passionate defense of season six, and I agreed with a lot of his points. Not every Thing, but a lot of his points um, and you know knowing that the end that the anniversary of the end was just around the corner I really did want to give it another look if not uh, look at the entire final season of Lost which there's just not enough hours in the day to do at the very least you could set aside two hours or so to, to look at this series finale and I gotta say just like out of context going to this episode it's a you know it's not the first episode that I would think of of you know saying to somebody like if someone's like what Lost episode should I watch right now give me a Lost episode to turn on <laughs> I don't think that I would normally say the series finale. Yeah, don't start with the end. (laughs) Don't start with the end. And no, I don't I don't mean it for somebody who has never watched the show before. I mean it for Mm -hmm. people who, you know, haven't watched in a while and are looking to just dive back into it. Uh, The end probably would not be the one that I would say just because it's it's so heavy. It's so contingent on so many different pieces in in place that you really want to know how everything got there. You might forget some of these details, but I got to say on revisiting it and just revisiting it, you know, out of context completely by itself for the first time in a really long while it was really enjoyable to go back and watch yeah i completely agree and especially once you know that ending this entire episode and i i haven't rewatched the sixth season in a long time but i'm assuming some parts of the sixth season as well makes so much more sense i mean this whole desmond's whole drive throughout this episode in the sixth season is put so much into context once you realize exactly what he's bringing everyone towards and like the conversation with him and Eloise and this whole conversation about letting go again, makes so much more sense. Once you see this Christian Jack scene where he says, yes, you are dead. Everyone's dead at some point. Now we're going to move on. Yeah. But all that stuff was real. 
Yes. It was Which is all what, real, everybody. Just, yeah. Just making sure you know that. Exactly. The polar bears on the island that had the big electromagnetic problems that can bring down planes, that, that's in our world. Totally real. All of that was real. The fish biscuits, legit. Yep, exactly. The man who died about four times in the course of the series. Yep, he's real. He's real. That was real. That guy who got sucked into the turbine and ranked fairly high on the death list of the Poster Recaps Lost Lives draft. That was real as well. Oh, that, that, that is absolutely real. Yeah. Engine dude, he was real. <laughs> All of these that, things were real. Yeah, that's, that's one of the, and I'm sure we're going to talk about the, about the critical and popular reception of this episode as we move along here, but I think that was one of the hardest pills to swallow uh, on behalf of the entire populace after seeing this episode and realizing what happened, and they say, like, wait a minute, so all this weird stuff was actually in our world, even though they were on a deserted island, it's just, it's something weird to, to wrap your head around, but... As I've talked about before, and I know you've alluded to a little bit, and actually uh, Pete brought it up on your season six podcast that, you know, if, if you if it is kind of like a, a mysteries and character season hand in hand, specifically season six. But once you kind of lean more towards the characters and you kind of I don't want to say tune out, but kind of put the blinders on to the rest of those little things that may come up. It's it's a really, really enjoyable ending, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so going into this, I, you know, I was trying to figure out, like, what what am I going to do? Am I going to am I really going to just like sit here and take all of these copious amounts of notes about this episode? Let's just my normal habit just for anyone who's ever curious. I basically just transcribe an episode as I'm going. Uh, that's that's how I take my notes, and it's exhausting, but it's thorough, and I like it. But I didn't want to do that with this, just because I kind of wanted to just absorb yeah. the, the finale right now. So what I what I thought I would try to do is like I wanted to see if I could hit 42, you know, because it's a lost number. I wanted to see if I could hit 42 bullet points from this episode that felt to me like classic lost throwbacks because I do think that the you know the final season something that I've criticized the final season for actually is um, that it's it's really pretty heavy handed with the throwbacks mm-hmm. uh, you know it's a it's a real throwback Thursday of a season um, but I think that that's really appropriate for the finale I like that the finale connects to, to a lot of moments from earlier in lost um, not just the pilot episode but several other episodes along the way and several different types of character interactions that we're really used to seeing on Lost. Um, you know, maybe some character interactions we haven't seen in a long time. Um, so I wanted, I wanted to see if I could hit 42 of those. I felt pretty confident that I could. And then I really wanted to get ambitious and see if I could hit 108. Uh, I did not. Did you land somewhere in between? Yeah, I did, like in the 50s. So not, okay. much, not, not, much, not much further than 42, but that's, that's, that's how I... That was, uh, 108 was a stretch goal for you. If we're talking about the, the, the Kickstarter yeah. of Josh takes notes on lost references. Yeah, we got funded. Uh, the, the project has been funded, but we did not get all the way to our first stretch goal, which was 108. So, so, I'm, so I'm intrigued. I mean, I'm, I, don't want, I don't know if you need to read all 50, but can you, can you excerpt some of, the, some of the lost references that you at least stuck out in your brain? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that you know i i I wrote it down sequentially uh i think that we can kind of just use that as our as our lamp post as we are uh walking through this finale looking back at it five years later because it really just kind of chronicles the whole episode so i i just noted right off the bat that you know um and something that we've talked about on lost lives a bit is that the montage is kind of 
don't completely fade away, but they become less important as they are in season one. Season one just is mm-hmm. loaded with montages, with great musical moments, with, you know, Giacchino's score just blaring, um, you know, great music cues all throughout. The end has a ton of them. You know, obviously the Awakenings, which I think we'll talk about in, in greater detail for sure. Um, but the but the opening montage for me is, is so vintage lost um, yes. and, you know, ranks really high up. I mean, this is another podcast we could do eventually is like ranking the the lost montages this would be very high can, on the can list. it be a montage podcast <laughs> yeah it would just be a, it would be a montage podcast it would just be highlights of all of our previous conversations <laughs> about lost that would be it that is a, that is a listener project if it's anyone a, out a, there wants a clip show <laughs> yeah it's, it's a it's a clip show but yeah. we'll advertise it as like the best montages of lost yeah i would i would enjoy that tremendously but no i i think that this is this is one of the greatest parts of the of the finale is just the way that it begins is so classically lost and you know with the with the whole you know flash sideways music playing and everything you know having it you know hop back and forth between christian shepherd's coffin landing mm-hmm. in los angeles and everything that's happening on the island and what's cool about it too is you know all of the characters are in the exact positions that we are going to to see them when the episode kind of properly begins like when we when we get to our first jack scene he's going to be right there on that creek when we get to our first lock scene he and or or not lock he and ben are going to be by the desmond well um so i really like that we are getting like really quick glimpses of all of these characters exactly where we're going to find them as we dig deeper into the episode Yeah, and I love the image of Kristen Shepard's coffin as well because it sort of symbolizes the bridge almost between the two worlds. I mean, I know throughout this episode we're going to talk about these flashes that were literally the bridge between these two realities, but I think a Christian will obviously become much more of a symbol in the last few scenes of the episode, but the fact that all these scenes are intercut with his coffin being transported is just uh, a nice indicator that something is going on, and will we find out later that it's you know these realities are going to start smashing together like like adam is creating chain reactions but i love just watching this this coffin you know roll down and then go into the transport truck and then get picked up by the delivery man with the ponytail and it's, yeah, it's who that what is with that hair i don't know that guy drew the the short straw in terms of the alternate reality he's <laughs> yeah he's like thumbs down horse good speed he's like uh horse bad speed i wonder if he uh if he was like a bald man in art in the the, the lost timeline right and he- and his like happy ending is you know happily hair. ever after is he has hair yeah exactly <laughs> that'd be pretty good uh but yeah no i i just love how that kicks off the episode i think it's really good uh and then i like that you know basically our first proper scene of the episode is a jack and sawyer scene where the two of them are kind of you know they're there's we're so used to seeing these two characters give each other so much crap um but it's 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 a testament to just how how weird the show gets that sawyer the skeptic and jack the skeptic you know these two total men of science have this conversation about how jack Jack has like drank the Jacob juice and he, he is now the new Jacob and they just like straight up accept it. Uh, that's, that's very, very bizarre to me. Well, let's remember this is also the season where, where, you know, flock reveals himself as the smoke monster in front of Sawyer in the, in the, in Dharma villain. He's like, I don't, I don't care anymore. Yeah. (laughs) The show got so weird. 
God. And again, this is in our world. <laughs> yeah, this is the real stuff. <laughs> this, is, this is the real world. <laughs> yeah, it's the real world. Um, I like that in the next scene when we have Jack coming to uh, coming to Hurley and Sawyer and Kate and giving him, you know, giving them the whole there is a this place in the center of the island past the bamboo forest and we got to go there and that's where Locke is heading and all this stuff. And Sawyer, he goes off to, to see if he can go get Desmond and Hurley just vintage Hurley just comes out with the Star Wars reference. I have a bad feeling about this. That it, to me also very classical. Isn't when that when the giant worm comes out of the hole and tries to snatch at them? Yeah, it comes out of the whale. Uh, <laughs> out, out of the well, it comes. Uh, if there was a whale, that'd be amazing. No, it comes out of it comes out of the well and snatches up Locke and Ben. That's that's what we get there. It's well, I feel like I feel like the Jack and Kate scene was very in a very loose vein to the uh han and leia stuff from empire strikes back the <laughs> i love you i know scene yes yes it was, it was very it was communicated there in the kiss you could you could sense it a lot well yeah you kind of do you know jumping ahead to that like you kind of do feel like we would get uh we would get some sort of moment where jack was going to have something snarky to say like if it had been sawyer you know yeah. he wasn't going to say i love you too yeah exactly yeah. he he don't, he'd be like well, he wouldn't say ditto because that'd be a mocking ghost, <laughs> but some, some sort of non-trademarked uh, to come back. Yeah. Um, I, you know, another another great character pairing that we don't get for a very long time because one of them has been dead for a while is Hurley and Charlie. I, I love that when we go to the flash sideways and Hurley is one of the few people who enters this episode on the ground floor. of mm-hmm. I know what's up. I know where we are. Hurley going to Charlie and just like being such a grinning, goofy idiot. I think that's even what Charlie calls him, something like that uh is it's great it's really good to see these two guys again and is it just me or does charlie look more badass in this timeline than he did in ours i mean uh, he has like the mohawk going on he looks like the crow the crow is in the I, I don't know what that reference is you've never seen the crow no what is the crow have you never heard of the crow no <laughs> okay we'll talk about this another time i heard of a crow <laughs> you'll i'm i'm shocked that you've never heard the concept of the crow it's a movie it's a movie from the 1990s starring brandon lee it's the movie where he was uh, killed on set very sad stuff Uh-oh. um look up the crow we'll watch the crow together sometime it'll be a really right. good time you would you would do well as the crow Oh, thank you. I'm not going to I'm going to I'm going to revoke my thank you until I see this film. Well, it does mean that you've died, uh, but you came back to life a year later to get vengeance on everybody who killed you. Don't reveal my secrets, Josh. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, I'm teasing a little bit about what happened in upstate New York. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Antonio would be mad at me for saying that with you. Uh, but yeah, he looks he looks like a badass is what I'm trying to say. OK. All right. Yeah, I, I, I think so, especially compared to where we see him at the beginning of the series, which is his sort of like baggy striped shirt with the the love hate bandages around his fingers i think i think he's upgraded a lot in terms of look uh but he looks strung out too like uh yeah. ghost charlie is you know freaking ripped on on the on the h train right now yes very well he was the well he got busted for possession right on the in the in the sideways reality when jack saves his life in the plane yeah that's absolutely right yeah so he's uh he's probably on a bender from having been arrested and i, I love how he you know it's 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 all it's all puzzle pieces that need to be assembled and Hurley pulls out the Trank's dart yes which is something I did not expect that's on my list because I feel like you know people get knocked out all the time and we've seen people get knocked out with Trank darts before in one of the greatest side scenes of the whole series uh so I loved seeing the Trank dart gun that's (laughs) to see Hurley being the guy who's actually finally pulling the trigger after really hating hating uh holding on to that thing back in the season five I think it was the season five premiere that was really funny to see him with that 
Yeah. I, and and it also it keeps Charlie out of commission for the next little bit until he gets to have his own moment in the sun. Yeah. Uh, and then so the next the next three that I really enjoyed, the next three bullet points that I have are are Locke, uh, Sawyer and Ben all hanging out by the well. I always like it, even if he's not actually John Locke. I like it when John Locke calls Sawyer James. I just think that that's <laughs> always a great callback to the time that he discovered that Sawyer's name was James and never called him Sawyer again. Yeah, it's it's very true. And it, it represents a lot about this flock. And Jack brings it up later in the episode about how he's like, hey, Jack, remember when we did this? And it's like, no, you're not John Locke. You're trying to supplant us with his memories. But stop trying to ingratiate yourself within this community. You are literally a monster. Yes. Made of smoke. Actually made of smoke. Um, yeah. yeah, I that's a, long been one of my favorite lines of the whole series is that moment where where Jack says to him, like, you're you're not John Locke. You know, I've, I, I've said this before. I just, I was waiting for that the entire season for someone to be like, can someone just call this guy out? You know, he keeps yeah. talking about how he's John Locke. He's not John Locke. He's no John Locke. No. Uh, so uh, yeah, he, but this is a great example of him trying to be John Locke, having some of those Lockisms. Yeah. And, the, uh, and there, there was a little scene in there too with, with uh, Kate and Jack that I, I really enjoyed too, where Kate is pleading with him, basically asking him like, why did you take Jacob's position? And Jack kind of reaffirms to her that he believes that the Island is all he has left. And I know you really love that first moment in 316 when he gets up from the, when Jack gets up in the jungle after yes. the Ajira landing and it's all business. And I feel like that this is a perfect representation of like that episode on in terms of Jack's mentality of like, he knows he's supposed to do this. And I mean, I think in the previous episode, uh, what they died for, I think that's where Jacob tells them like, this is like one of the most important things you'll ever do. And I think that has really resonated with Jack. And I know you've said that, that uh, Jack's arc is a really, really cool one. And I agree with you just because it's, it's sort of brought him here where he, he was the man of science and now he's the man of faith and has his faith devoted to this island and to this uh, otherworldly purpose, if you will. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, this is the culmination of it all. And uh, every, everything with Jack, you know, I really like Jack all the way through, but I especially like him when he kind of reactivates, when he, when he activates his destiny and he, when he knows that being back on the island is where he's supposed to be. And even if he doesn't know exactly what the purpose of that is quite yet, there's just a, this renewed confidence in him as soon as he touches down in season five. And I feel like that's very much the Jack we get here once he becomes the new Jacob. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love it. It's, it's very good stuff. I also like in this, in this lock scene with Sawyer and Ben, um, you know, it wouldn't be, I, I feel like if we had gone through the lost finale without Ben getting <laughs> hit in the face, that would have been a real disaster. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, those that were playing the lost drinking game would have, would have gone sober the entire two hours. if yeah. That didn't happen. You got it. You have to have that on your bingo card. No, he's, yeah, he's become the, the punching bag yeah. of lost. Yeah, he has. And Sawyer stealing a gun. That's pretty classic Sawyer. I mean, it's not exactly the long con for him to get Ben's gun. It's just a classic punch to the face. Uh, but Sawyer stealing some guns. I like that. I think that's fun. Did you, did you pick up that Sawyer said the long con later on in the episode? When does he say that? He, I forget when it is. I think he's, uh, uh oh, it's, uh, when later, later, later on, um, where you know uh it's jack and and desmond uh, and i think sawyer they're when they're all walking towards the heart and then they eventually leave they set off jack and desmond and lock on their own uh and sawyer because it's like that's a long con doc and i i just wish there were more title drops in this in this episode yeah. like, it could have been like a hundred something title drops yeah uh that guy is one of them he's not <laughs> one of us Yes, exactly. Uh, oh, look what Kate did. Look what <laughs> look what Kate does. Look, look what Kate does. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, man, I certainly feel like a stranger in a strange land now that the island's being destroyed. <laughs> Jack, whatever the case may be, I'll make sure that we all get out of here alive. <laughs> Guys, let's just stop. Remember orientation. <laughs> Doesn't everybody just love Hugo? <laughs> I think everybody hates Hugo. Everybody hates Hugo. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. I would enjoy that. That's going to happen in Lost 2. We'll do a lot of... Uh, <laughs> just one scene of just... Every line is a, is a title of an episode. I don't want a scene to go by where a title from a previous episode of Lost is not just dropped hard. All right, well, I, we'll add that to the, to the whiteboard in the writer's room. Yes, yes, we will. Um, I like here that, uh, that not John Locke tracks a dog. That's classic John Locke. The, one of the very first things we ever see John Locke do is, uh, you know, fashion the dog whistle and find Vincent. So I like that his smoky counterpart is able to do the same, even though he doesn't need a dog whistle. He can recognize dog tracks. That's nice. Mm-hmm. It's it, it for some reason it was a little creepy though the way I think he said doggy did he say like I think I see a doggy I don't know did he say that I think I see a doggy here. or like I think I think a doggy was here oh my god that makes him so much more menacing if that's true yeah he says doggy a lot more menacing than Tommy was so did in the room yeah I, I I watched this episode with uh with the subtitles on um I don't remember exactly why the subtitles were on on my Netflix <laughs> just as default I think it had something to I think do they, with- I think they made an assumption about you Josh. I think I, I think that's um I think that I had that for Daredevil when I was when I was binging Daredevil on Netflix mm-hmm. uh, when I was when I was watching it with with uh, Kevin Mahadeo um, for the podcast so I think I just left it on there um, and for whatever reason they were on here with the end and I just didn't shut them off um, and sometimes there were some really funny. Uh, subtitles like every time there was an awakening there would be like the sound would get a subtitle (laughs) and it was always low magnetic zap (laughs) and i was like there's a low magnetic zap i don't really hear it like what what are you talking and then i would listen for it and sure enough you would hear a low magnetic zap oh the guys took the name of my ska band yeah right (laughs) low magnetic zap (laughs) i thought that that was gonna be uh the sequel to low winter sun (laughs) <laughs> anything that could bring more viewers to that show yeah just a rebrand we're gonna make it more electric literally I, yeah oh man who who is even talking about low winter sun in uh this day this is age? the first time anyone's mentioned low winter sun in the past what like two years since yeah. breaking bad ended. it's been a while been a while uh but yeah i i didn't catch him saying doggy though uh i wish i wish that i had i'll have to go back and i'll have to take a look only one one of the many reasons to rewatch this episode once more. Yeah, that would be it. Um, all right, and then we we go from there. We go to to Rose and Bernard and Desmond, and uh, it's our first and really our only Rose and Bernard scene if the episode is here. Um, you know, not counting seeing them in the church and all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, I always great to see these guys. But my favorite part about it is like it it really wouldn't be a great Lost series finale if there wasn't just like a disgusting fake beard somewhere in the mix and bernard's fake beard is a disaster yeah that's uh like i don't i don't i don't know which is worse his or jack's fake beard uh i mean probably probably jack's because it's supposed to be really important yeah and the the volume of the beer like i think the creators just went into beard overload there bernard's at least say they like like well we'll just like I don't know. We'll take some of these fake hairs we got from the wig department and just glue it onto his face. Jack, they're like, no, we need to build it. We need to make a like a like a, a beard that looks like you literally drew it on in Sharpie on a Polaroid picture. Yeah, I, I do think ultimately Jack's beard is the worst one because of all those reasons. And just the fact that you see it so much more, you know, it's, yes. it's, it's it's so prevalent in that season three finale. Uh, but it's really it. Bernard's beard is just uh, it's trash. It's trash. Yeah, I mean. 
And they they built that really nice uh, hut in the jungle. You think he could at least fashion some sort of razor to get rid of that fuzz off his face? Maybe he likes it. You know, maybe maybe Rose likes it. Maybe Rose like I like you with the beard. Keep it on. Yeah. Well, she 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 kind of fell in love with with jungle him. So I guess that's a, the culmination of what Jungle Bernard is now. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like uh, John Locke coming here. Not John Locke. He is once again uh, just being a total psychopath with a knife which is you know how we met john locke really was him throwing one of his 400 knives into the chair next to sawyer uh just a a really great look at you know what one of terry o'quinn's true true skills on the show is you know i've brought this up before there is you know behind the scenes video of terry o'quinn just being a total badass with throwing knives Uh, and he doesn't get to do the throwing knife thing here but i just like any time that you can get a knife in john locke's hand is a good thing do you think that was in like Terry O'Quinn's special skills and it had nothing to do with John Locke and they just decided to involve it? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> maybe, though, you know, they, they could be uh, if, if Terry O'Quinn before Lost was just this knife wielding badass, then, uh, man, I really don't want to meet that guy. <laughs> well, uh, do, do you have any impressions or anything? Well, I'm a trained mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Sold. Hi. Well, all right. Uh, yeah, you got the job. Yeah. Well, I kill people with throwing knives for a living. Okay, uh, did you bring any? Yeah, here's one. Right. Okay, now. well, you got the job. You've got the job. <laughs> Put them back in the case, please. It's so messed up when he when he tells Desmond to come with him or he'll kill Rose and Bernard, and they're both like, no, don't worry about it. Just go with him, or, or you don't have to go with him. And he's like, but I'll make it hurt. Uh, the idea of him knife-torturing Rose and Bernard to death is one of the scarier things in the finale. Yeah, and this scene is really interesting, too, because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we we saw Rose a little bit in the in the Flash sideways in this season, but we really hadn't seen Rose and Bernard since the time travel stuff in season five, right? Yeah, you don't see you don't see a ton of them in season six, as far as I remember. I mean, I do think that there's a scene where Jack and Bernard hang out in the flash sideways uh i yeah. think i think he shows up there and i do think that rose is somewhere in the flash sideways but as far as on island stuff we haven't seen them since the incident we haven't seen them since the season five finale. i mean did did you feel like those were characters that we necessarily needed to catch up on in the finale yeah um i thought it was nice you know i i and i think that it it works you know it it's a very easy way of just having them in here and having some added danger to the smoke monster coming to desmond and threatening to kill two of our favorite characters and it being the final episode you believed that he could do it so i i thought that it was useful i'm glad that they didn't become more involved than that i don't think that they needed to but uh just to see them again one last time i thought that that was totally fine yeah, I know you talked before about how season six was very much, and a lot of seasons, the final seasons do this on TV to middling effects of doing a lot of callbacks to characters that we've we've had or motifs that we've had before. And I thought I thought it was fine. Um, I you know were there other scenes that I feel that way I would rather have shown maybe and take a minute away from this scene maybe but I, I thought it was okay catching up with them and it was nice to see them in the church too yeah absolutely all right so let's talk about two of your favorite favorite characters we've quancast yes. before in, yes. in the past now let's let's quantum leap over to the flash sideways let's see Jin and son waking up uh, another quan the quander standing the quander standing uh, a, a quantum entanglement uh, <laughs> we have we have Juliet you know working as a fertility doctor again she scans son and son wakes up uh, Jin wakes up as well upon seeing the baby and I just imagine that Mike Bloom is losing his mind at this point I kind of was especially seeing this again for I hadn't seen this scene in a long time and I, 
I mean, you gotta you gotta start off strong with the with the flashbacks this episode or the the flashes, and they they really did because I mean, we'll get to some of the ones that might not have worked later on, but I think if you gotta start off with like flashes you gotta start off with them remembering their relationship that has progressed throughout their time on the island and we really got to see this really nice montage and i i'm sure we'll talk about it but you know we can talk about these montages and specifically the sound design i just loved the way each of these flash sort of scenes montages were done just you know uh as as always they drop out all the sound from the scene itself and just play some giacchino over it except uh, for it, that low magnetic zap except for his low magnetic zap it's apparently there. it's there but it was i mean i i really really loved it this is this is one probably one of my favorite flashes just because we really saw the rise and fall of their relationship through that those what, like four scenes they showed the one thing that does weird me out is that when they come to reality they're speaking english yes but they don't have accents anymore no accent especially really noticeable on Jin. yeah and considering that the last time we saw that he was in a mr clucks outfit is a. Uh, it, it, it just it's very jarring i've listen i i say this fairly often is i i feel like the kwans lose something the more english they speak Especially Jin. I really, I really do. I think that, uh, you know, season five Jin and onward is not my favorite version of Jin. I like when Jin speaks Korean. I agree. I forget if we talked about this on the Quadcast, but I think there was so much fun in this aspect at the beginning of like, these are these two characters who are forced into this society with people and there's a huge language barrier. And it's sort of how do, how do you deal with that while also trying to ingratiate them within the society that's formed is was such a cool concept and i'm i'm glad they got to spend the first season working it out and even if sun was speaking english on the side uh and i agree it it lost its value a little bit and i think we talked about on the quamcast how that sort of made the quans get a little lost in the shuffle of everything as well even when sun did get pregnant and they got separated that being said in spite of the lack of accents, I did really enjoy this scene. Oh, it's terrific. It's terrific. I, re- I mean, I love the awakenings. The awakening scenes are just really beautiful, except for one. We'll talk about that. Yes, we'll, we'll, talk about we'll that. get to that one soon. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so, so when we go back to the, to the present day, we get, this, we get this conversation on the way. I think this is, this is the talk that you were talking about, right? Between Jack and Kate as they're kind of marching their way toward meeting, uh, you know, towards getting to the bamboo forest. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and there's, um, you know, the, the conversation, you know, take or leave. What I really love is just uh, like the Hollywood and Vines track kind of coming back from the very first episode when everybody is trying to make the big march up to um, to find a radio signal. And it's that it's that great Giacchino score that's the dun dun da 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 And I just love that they repurpose that here. I think it's it's really cool. And and the other thing is uh, I mentioned during my 4815 podcast with Joe Garfine that I actually had the chance to go out to Hawaii earlier this year and go to Oahu and see a lot of the locations where Lost was filmed. And this was the first time that I've really sat down and really watched an episode of Lost, you know, with, with other than maybe just a little mm-hmm. bit casually here and there since then. And I could completely recognize exactly where they were, which was a really cool thing. Like they were there, awesome. There's this beautiful, beautiful view of the ocean in the background behind them. Like I was there. I saw that I was, you know, ATVing around that whole valley and it was the most amazing thing. So it's really cool. Now it, it really, you know, getting to see that in, in practice uh, really makes me want to go back and watch a lot of loss and see what else that uh, I will, I will notice from, from that experience. But man, Mike, one of these days you got to do it. 
You really I did. know. I gotta. I, I was we not, were an e- not an easy thing to do, but if you ever if you ever have the time and money to do it, you really oughta. Yeah, we we were this close to going to Hawaii for the honeymoon, and I think we were this close to trying to figure something out like that, even even if it was the shorter version of the tour. But uh, coming coming coming, you know, in the in the indeterminate future, I will I would love to go there, and that time this time I will go to that hill and I will hum that Hollywood and Vine song as I trek across on my ATV. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's as a- as I presumably also go to meet a man that's threatened to destroy the island. Yeah, I think that that's probable. <laughs> I think that's likely. Uh, but no, it was, it was a really cool experience and I, I can't rank, recommend it enough for anybody who's thinking about planning a vacation. If, you're, if you've got the time and resources to do it, go to Oahu, go through the whole the whole Lost Tours that they've got. Their Cause Tours is what I took. Um, and this is uh, Kualoa Ranch, which is actually a different, different um, un- unrelated to that tour. Although I think you can you can tour around with that group. Uh, but if you, if you just want to like book like a sweet atv activity you could do that it was it was freaking awesome it was really cool awesome yeah it was great um then we get uh we get some dr jack in the flash sideways i like dr jack i like mm-hmm. that dr jack is finally going to have a win i feel like that's very rare yes <laughs> it's very rare for jack shepherd to do any kind of surgical procedure and it goes well um and granted this is like you know some version of the afterlife it's if you want to call it heaven if you want to call it purgatory limbo whatever it is uh, a place where miracles can happen a little bit more readily than the real world uh certainly our real world but even the real world of lost uh but for jack to be able to go in and and do his doctor thing and for it to be uh something that's going to work out for john Locke, i i'm happy to see dr dr jack in this context it's it's weird throughout the context of season six to watch these characters actually have good fortunes just because we're so easy, especially Locke, especially Jack watching all these flashback scenes of them just getting trampled on by the world to finally have them do well. I was always waiting on pins and needles to be like, okay, but then like a safe's going to fall on them, right? Yeah. Like it ultimately works out really well for them in the flash sideways world. You know, yeah. not so much in in the real world, you know, uh, Jin and son, they're at the bottom of the ocean and Saeed's like what, whatever's left of yeah, Saeed. Like pieces of Saeed floating in the ocean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pieces of Saeed, drops of Saeed, uh, just in, in the ocean, you know, that that's not great. That's not fantastic. But uh, now, you, now you took the name of my train cover band. <laughs> drops of Saeed. <laughs> I would listen to that. That'd be <laughs> Just me singing lost themed train yeah. cover songs. Yeah. Nadia's back in the atmosphere. <laughs> With Not now Shannon side. is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With drops of Rutherford in her hair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, drops of Saeed. I'm, I'm very happy. I want I want to hear this full, this full album. Do All they right. have more than one song train? Yeah, they have, uh, uh, help me, help me. Um, uh, they did like a song two years ago that really doesn't sound like train. Uh, they had their drops of Jupiter era. And then now they have this like more modern day era that really doesn't sound like old school train. So they've, they've adapted to the times. I, I always thought they were just one of those, uh, one song bands. No, no, like no. Drive shaft, the drive shaft of our time. Yeah, exactly. So drops of Jupiter was their you all everybody. Yes, exactly. Well, this is the, the, the modern song might be they're all you all everybody's. Yeah, everybody's. Oh, God. I don't want to listen to that then. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, I think in, in the sideways, it works out a lot better than it does on the island. But it is. It's a, this is a happy ending for basically everybody, even the people who die. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, and then uh, we we get a happy ending for one person who could have been dead on the on the bottom of the ocean with the Quans and with drops of Said. We could have had uh, we could have had Lapidus not make it, but here we go. Lapidus is alive. Uh, Richard Alpert and Miles find him on their way to Hydra Island, um, and it's you know a, another callback to the pilot that a pilot who should be dead is not dead. Um, and luckily, this pilot doesn't get actually killed like five seconds after he's been discovered alive. Yeah. What? So I think there was like a. Uh, what did you make of the Richard Gray hair thing? Because I think I think that happened earlier. Uh, I don't I don't remember exactly the chronology, but that was like a nice. Uh, that was like almost like a a Richard Alpert's like closing moment for the series. You know, I, I never. I always thought it was like a nice moment for for Richard. This idea that he's actually aging now that Jacob is kind of out of power. Um, I I liked that a lot, but it never really was you know something that completely stood out to me. But now since you know you know it's been five years since this show ended, um, and you know I've gone back. Uh, I did my full rewatch and I've, I've, I've gone back and I've revisited this episode just like very casually other than that a couple of times, but not with any sort of real focus. Um, this is the first time I was really watching it with focus other than that rewatch. And, you know, five, five years ago, I was not, you know, a guy who was thinking that I was going to find gray hairs in my head, but in the last year or so I've been discovering a bunch. Uh, and it's, it's like a real reminder that hey, Wiggler, you're, you're growing up, you're becoming a real boy. Uh, so I related to Richard Alpert here, uh, discovering the, the, the lone gray hairs and becoming a little bit more Miles Stromish. But did you re- did you also relate to Richard saying, well, now I have a reason to live? No, I still haven't found that. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking. Yeah, that, that, that was the one thing that like maybe it was a little, little cheesy in that one scene for him being like, now I finally now for the first time I have a reason to live. I'm like, oh, gray hair. Uh, in our world, which is again is the world that they're in, that it's usually the opposite effect. He likes the salt and pepper look, man. He's been jealous of Miles all this time, and now he's gonna look like uh, Miles Strom. You know what I'm gonna do now? I'm gonna go to a city, and I'm gonna become the mayor of it. I'm gonna become the mayor of a Gotham city. <laughs> yeah, I've heard the great things about that one city, Gotham. Yeah, I'm gonna go to Gotham. It's gonna work. Out. No, he, we we know where where Richard Albert ends up. He's a Ghostbuster. Yeah, he's that's a, very he's true. a Ghostbuster with Miles and Sawyer and Frank. Yeah, he's the. Uh, He's the, the Harold Ramis character. He's the Harold Ramis character? I, I would think so, because I think Sawyer's, de- Sawyer's definitely the Vankman. Yes, for sure. Uh, and then Miles, is the, and then you said Frank rounds I think, him out, I right? think I think Lapidus is probably the Winston because he's just here to work. Yeah, exactly. He's just picking up the paycheck. Yeah, I think, I think Sawyer is the Vankman for sure. I think Miles is sort of his stance. You know, yeah. the other guy who's a little bit sarcastic. Uh, and then I think... Uh, Richard, by default, is Egon. He's kind of the wise one. You know, he's had a lot of years. He's got a lot of experience. I think that works out. And I think he'd be just as awkward in a TV commercial. (laughs) I think so, too. We're ready to believe you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's good good to see that Frank Lapidus is alive. I remember there was a lot of controversy over, like, is is Lapidus really dead? Is he dead? Uh, And it was just terrific. Terrific. It was great to see him still alive. Uh, And I mean, you got that amazing Lapidus line of like, in case you haven't noticed, I'm a pilot. I'm a pilot. (laughs) Yeah, we noticed, Frank. I just it's it's so again, and as as much as of an emotional finale as this is, you can still have these random barbs that they throw in every once in a while. And it's like and this will not be the last time Lapidus uh 
Lapidus has some wisecracks here on the episode. Oh, no, he's got plenty. Um, that the, You know, Frank has tons of choice dialogue in this finale. Kate Austin, not so much. Uh, this whole, you know, you killed them. You killed my friends. And, you know, her shooting at, at not lock in this scene. Yeah. The, and the way that it's shot, this has always been one of my least favorite lost scenes. Just this this part of the scene, at least. And it's, I, I think, pretty decisively, aside from one aspect of the flash sideways this is my least favorite scene in the finale is when kate is shooting the gun at lock just be like you killed my friends you killed them and he's like save the bullets i'm setting i'm setting you up for a line later on in the episode after you've saved the bullets and this is it's also i mean besides that too there's this whole thing where like jack's like i'm gonna go with you and you know lock says you know like what are uh, you know uh it's just like i'm gonna kill you he's like how are you gonna do that and jack just goes it's a surprise. I love that. That I enjoy quite a bit. That, that's a little that's a little cheesy for me. It's, it's definitely cheesy, but there's just something so badass about the way he delivers that. It's like that part's a surprise. But I, I think uh, it was but it was invalidated because, you know, Kate gets her set up. I think Jack should have got his set up when after he throws lock over the rocks, he should have said surprise. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, mother ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To pull a dokes on him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then and then we go from there. We've got, you know, we're going to go to the the bamboo forest and all of this stuff. And it's just going to be Jack and Desmond and Locke. They're the only three that can go forward. And we get, uh, you know, it wouldn't be an episode of loss and certainly wouldn't be a lost finale without some of these philosophical debates between the man of science and the man of faith. Although it's interesting that Jack is kind of both at this point, although Desmond is like hard faith um, where, you know, Desmond is kind of the guy who's saying like none of this matters. Uh, there is an afterlife. I've seen yeah. you there. We were on the plane. It was great. And Jack is like, no, all of this matters. This is, this is all important. Everything matters. Well, Desmond's the man of faith that nobody cares about. <laughs> oh, everybody cares about Desmond. Well, everyone cares about Desmond, but nobody cares about his faith at the time. They're, they're basically equating him to that homeless man you see on the street who's preaching about how the devil is going to arise on the sixth day of June every year. Right, that he sounds a little loopy. He sounds yeah. a little loony. Like, ever since he got, like, zapped in the electromagnetism machine, uh, he's just kind of been fried uh and everything he says is just like a little bit too esoteric and no one really has never been the same since he went to hydra yeah exactly yeah hell hydra <laughs> you have to whisper that yeah. hell hydra there we go did there i say go. it too loud does everyone know i think everyone i mean you're i'm i'm dead so you're talking to a dead man oh, here God. so you're you're the one that you're that you're endangering yourself right now <laughs> I'm talking to myself i'm going crazy uh yeah the the thing that i i like about these next couple scenes as well is that we are sort of getting this this smaller microcosm of the the Jacob Man in Black showdown via Jack and Locke, which is interesting because it's sort of like a, a, a Russian nesting egg here of like it's a conflict that we've seen with, within a larger conflict that we've seen as well. So I, I, it's, it's it's great. You know, it all works out in terms of writing that these were the two characters that represent these two sides that have been working against each other. And so when we talk about the big brawl that happens in a, in a few minutes on this episode i think that's the culmination of both rivalries just finally having it out with each other absolutely yeah no it's it's good stuff uh then there, there's plenty more to talk about in this uh series of, of scenes but i think first we we cut back to the flash sideways where saeed is going to be waking up and here's shannon and surprise classic lost shannon's here to ruin everything 
Uh, I'm I'm surprised uh, there wasn't subtitles in there that said like Andrea Gabriel cries in the background. <laughs> oh man, yeah. When we had when we had her on, when Joe Garfine and I, when we talked to Andrea Gabriel a few months ago, you know, she was still kind of uh, not thrilled about about this whole thing, and understandably so. And I mean, I've heard from a bunch of people, not like super recently, but fairly recently, who had done rewatches of Lost, who were really not that ripped up anymore about Shannon being Saeed's person here and all of that stuff. Um, for me, it still plays horribly. It just, yeah. this is, this is terrible. Why are we doing this? Well, especially considering that again, we just saw Jin and son's awakening scene, which is this long montage of their relationship throughout all six seasons. Shannon and Saeed, we get like three scenes of them <laughs> and they're not even doing, they're like at the beach, they're in a tent. Like they're like, they, they reminded the audience. Remember when they had kind of good chemistry for like, 30 episodes maybe we're gonna play that over again yeah no it's brutal it's absolutely brutal um you know i i I get the idea that they wanted to get the original cast rounded up again still no michael still yeah still not doing the michael thing yeah Um, well yeah he remember he has he's a he's a whisper now (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there we go he's he knows how to he knows how to be a part of hydra yeah michael is totally hydra that explains so much uh no that's that still makes me very upset and just like i, I get they want to have as much of the original cast as possible and so that you know if if uh, maggie grace is open to coming back for a couple of scenes in the finale let's grab her but i just i feel like it's it does uh, it's just sucks for saeed like i feel i just i really do feel like this totally cheapens saeed's arc there's just a lot of balls that i feel like they drop at saeed yeah drop so, saeed so there, there was this one weird thing too. When you sort of think about, like, wait, when did Boone have his awakening? When, when somebody punched him in the face. I would like well, to I, think that when Said punched him in the face, he finally realized who he is. I, I like to think that you know, uh, I think Ben started having flashes. Remember when like Desmond beat him up? I think Ben uh, Boone like fell out of a model plane off a, a cliff once again, <laughs> and that's how he remembered. <laughs> He's looking pretty good if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, he's a great doctor. This yeah. time he, uh, Jack operated him and he lived. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you heal up pretty fast unless you're getting like shot in the face like uh, like Mikhail in the flash sideways. I think yeah. that unless you're actually just getting straight up murdered, I think that you heal up pretty quickly in this world. Yeah, uh, but no, I just like to imagine that somebody beat the shit out of Boone and just as he was getting his askings like, oh, yeah. I remember. Oh, right. I remember things now. Hey, I used to make out with my sister. It was pretty cool. Maybe he was watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> just, he had some flashes of like, oh, wait, did I do that? Yeah, he was watching the first episode of Game of Thrones and he just like started having the, the beautiful awakening music happen as he sees the final scene of the first episode. With I, 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 I want Game of Thrones to exist in this world now because you totally know that inside the church while they're all greeting each other then at the end, they're like, did you ever did you watch uh, Game of Thrones recently? Yeah. What'd you think of uh, uh, the Red Wedding? It was it was pretty awful. No spoilers. No spoilers. No, no, no spoilers. No spoilers. John Locke hasn't recovered from his surgery yet, so he hasn't watched Game of Thrones yet. I'm a season behind. <laughs> I'm a season behind. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Who knows how Boone woke up? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's not like he had a soulmate. If if he was going to have a soulmate, you would think it would be Shannon, but she's clearly Saeed's soulmate. So. And, and wasn't that the thing, too? I think everyone was paired off in the church except for Locke and Boone. They got no one. They got each other. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, Locke's, Locke's paired is, is paired off with like his foot. <laughs> I just I want a picture of like everyone's has their arms around each other and smiling with their soulmate. And then you just have Locke like looking down at his foot, just like holding his foot, putting his <laughs> foot in his mouth. <laughs> Literally. 
literally that's it uh so i don't know i don't know i don't you know maybe maybe he did you know maybe it was somehow shannon because it seems like she's in on it right when when there's this whole setup in the alley and it's made to look like boone is mugging her and saeed is sent off to save the day uh and frankly how was boone to know that saeed wasn't just gonna like snap his neck like classic saeed Jarrah style yeah you know? well that well that's like that's like an ode to mr deeds right doesn't doesn't one of the guys pose as like a, a, an assailant to rob the renona writer's character and then adam sandler beats the crap out of him i think that you're just taking a huge 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 risk anytime you willingly step in the path of and like violence you just don't yes. you don't want to make that mistake uh and yet boone you know maybe maybe that's boone's bravery and and my my cravenness my cravenry yeah, well he's, he's already died once so he figures like you know what let's throw caution into the wind let's yeah. just see what happens let's just see what happens so i don't know the the jury's still out on all of that Mm-hmm. jury is still out um we go we go from that and we have we have this great scene now uh in in the the you know the cave at the heart of the island with the light source down beneath and jack and and not john Locke are having their conversation and and Locke is saying oh man just like old times <laughs> this is remember back in uh, season one when we really fooled everybody by opening that hatch and no one knew what was under it for a whole summer wasn't that great jack good times jack's like no how would you remember any of that? That wasn't you. Yeah. It's basically the equivalent of like, you're not my real dad. You're not my dad. <laughs> you're, yeah. not, you're not my lock. But you know, for all that it's worth that, that lock wasn't that fake lock wasn't there at the time. I love how they mirror the, uh, the hat shot too. That Beautiful. goes into commercial. Oh, so, cool. so good. So good. That's, that's a terrific, terrific shot. One of the, one of the true money shots of this finale, uh, for the most part, a gorgeously shot and gorgeously edited finale. Uh, Absolutely. Even, even up to the shots that they placed in of the plane wreckage over the credits. I think it's <laughs> yes. a beautifully shot episode. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. But that angle is just like co- going down into the source and looking up at, at Jack and Locke just staring down exactly the way that they did during the hatch although there is just something a little bit off about Locke, which is which is just a really cool touch yeah 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 uh then we go to the we go to the flash sideways we're gonna go to the drive shaft concert i have in my notes goddamn drive uh, drive shaft concert featuring daniel widmore daniel widmore on keyboard so is, is that is this like one of those when on the grammys when they bring together like eminem and elton john is that the equivalent of that for this concert yeah i just wish that this was um like daniel daniel widmore if you want to call him that i wish that this was like baby daniel back in um in the variable when we saw the little kid daniel with his braces and everything and he was just the worst kid actor that lost ever had uh where he's just like i can make time uh i just would i wish that it was that daniel here instead of uh but still wearing the Jeffrey fedora and vest in time has to has to be wearing that uh i like that daniel quote unquote widmore uh meets charlotte here and they shake hands and every time that you know soulmates is constants every time that they connect they remember everything but nothing happens here nothing happens here so uh i guess that they were not each other's constants it wasn't meant to be which i guess was but i guess it was okay later on because i would felt a lot worse if that happened and then desmond made that deal with eloise of like oh no he doesn't need to move on he'll stay here with you well how does that work you know what's what's gonna wake up daniel if anything um i'm getting a headache getting a headache (laughs) oh man my head's really hurting today wait a minute yeah science yeah exactly mice and mazes that's that's what it's gonna be it's gonna be watching he's gonna be watching pinky in the brain and then he's gonna just have a flash what would it be for charlotte um it would be uh, chocolate uh, chocolate chocolate before dinner 
Uh, watching a uh, a Coca Cola ad with the polar bear right before Christmas. That's it. That's, that's, that's it. it. That's it. That's all my all my perspective flashes involve someone just watching TV and something comes up that reminds them. That could be it. That could be it. But no, just classic. You know, they had no chemistry on the island. They have no chemistry here. Mm-hmm. I was and never I, I was never a big Daniel and Charlotte fan together. Brief tangent. It's it's Charlotte. Uh, Rebecca Mater plays the Wicked Witch of the West in Once Upon a Time. So it is weird to go back to Lost and watch her do this without thinking she has some sort of ulterior motive. Yeah. So talk me through that. You you and Kurt Clark, uh, you guys podcast about Once Upon a Time here on Post Show Recaps. Currently in the off season. Uh, what just wrapped? Season four wrapped. Season not four. Long yeah. Ago. Um, and she plays. Is she is she regularly on the show as the Wicked Witch? What 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 what, what am I missing out on? What am I so, missing out on with with uh, Charlotte Lewis? as the wicked witch so spoiler alert for those of you that are uninformed about the series uh so she is her name is zelina uh like selena with a z uh she is the wicked witch of the west she is the uh half sister of one of the main characters regina who is the the evil queen from the snow white fairy tale and she's the main you know that once upon a time it started doing like half seasons kind of like what uh walking dead does she was the main villain of uh the latter half of season three and then she briefly reappeared here in the latter half of season four she actually like murdered robin hood's wife and masqueraded as his wife in order to make his her sister jealous and now he's she's carrying his child what what does any of that even mean? I, I want maybe I'll do a podcast one time where I just sit you down and I just try to explain the entire plot of Once Upon a Time to you and I just get your reactions on everything. <laughs> That's so confusing, but people love that show. It's it's a lot of fun. It's I'd say uh, for those of you that have nothing to do over the summer, it's on Netflix. It's uh, a little campy, but it's entertaining. Check it out and then listen to Kirk Clark and I talk about it. It's it's it's, it's a very fun show to podcast about. I'll say that strong recommendation that everybody goes and does that. Um, all right. So, and anything else? And I, I like the the sighting of Pierre Chang. I think that's yes. good. Though I he didn't. We did not see his hands. No, we did not see his hands. He doesn't use a fake name. I would have liked one last fake name. I know. I I I mean, Marvin Candle was still my favorite, so yeah. I I would just want him to use that again. You're, you're not an Edgar Hallowax fan? No, just because Marvin Candle sounds like. I don't know. It sounds like a seventies uh, smooth R and B musician. How about uh, Pat Monahan? <laughs> exactly. Hello, I am uh, Pat I Monahan. Know. I just googled is the name of the guy who is the singer of Train. Is that the Crow? <laughs> he's not the Crow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's the Crow. He's not. <laughs> Although Pat Patrick Monahan would would be pretty good as the Crow. Let's see. They're not. They're they're one in the same. Yeah, they're one in the same. They're one in the same. It's pretty good. Can't believe you don't know the crow. No. Never heard of the crow. Never. I, I think I'm I've skeptical. heard of I feel like I feel like I'm you're pulling one on me. I think I've heard of the crow, especially if, if it's the this the the movie where Bruce Lee's son died, because I, I know that is the one. Having having done uh grown up doing theater, I always knew the whole story when the prop guns came out of like, well, I heard Bruce Lee's son shot himself in the head with the prop gun. Well, that's not exactly what happened, but that is how he died. He had an accident with a prop gun on set. Yeah, very, so very sad. Very sad. I've, le- I've learned it as a cautionary tale, but I have yet to experience the full aspects of the movie. You should see the movie. Great movie. Great 90s right. movie. Very 90s. I don't know how it would play, uh, you know, just going into it now without having any nostalgia for it. But how 90s is it? Is like, is Cisco involved? Is that how 90s there's it no, is? There's no Cisco. This is this is pre Cisco. Does anyone say like that's whack? There's there are no dragons either, uh, but there are gangsters. There's one gangster. I think the main gangster's name is Top Dollar. <laughs> okay that's very 90s uh, i'll check and, it out and there's a t-bird not t-bird cooper oh damn it yeah and another one another bad guy named skank 
Ooh. Skank. Skank is, um, he's kind of like the Dewey Crow of the Crow. Oh, okay. But he's not, Dewey Crow's not the last name. No, it's not the Dewey Crow. <laughs> that's, a, that's something else. That would be great. Uh, okay. um, all right, let's leave, let's leave this sideways. Let's see, you know, here's, here's some more classic stuff. Wouldn't be a great episode of Lost. Wouldn't be a Lost finale without like some crazy, crazy island shenanigans with super bright lights and everybody just wondering what the hell is going on. And yes. here, here comes Desmond uh, to cause some sort of unbelievable phenomenon involving super bright lights and the island almost exploding. Uh, and, you know, I've said this before, I think, on the podcast that for years, my friends and I, we would always joke, you know, if somebody missed an episode and they would text like, what happened? What happened tonight? We'd be like, uh, I don't blew up. I don't, I don't exploded. Um, and there were two times where that like was kind mm-hmm. of the wrong thing to say. <laughs> there was one time when the island disappears. And then there's this time where the island truly does look like it's about to blow up. Oh, and the one time they set off an atomic warhead as well. That's correct. Yeah, that would be right. That happened as well. Yeah, so this uh, this is this is when things, uh, from a regular audience perspective, at least at the time, went a little bit off the rails. I think in people's opinions, they're like, "Wait, what? What is going?" On? I mean, I think one of the main criticisms that people have of season six is that they didn't really want to delve into all this mythology stuff with Dogen and the temple and everything. Uh, and this is definitely something that speaks more towards that these more mythological aspects. Yeah, I'm trying to think about it. There are explosions in every single Lost finale. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they, they they figured what brings in ratings. Yeah, there's just like huge, huge bright lights or explosions in every single finale. There's, you know, the the hatch gets blown up. Uh, mm-hmm. The arse and gets arts. blown <laughs> up in the, in the first finale in Exodus. Uh, in the second uh, season finale is obviously that the hatch uh, implodes or explodes mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and there's, you know, they, they blow it up first and then he turns the key. Uh, it, there's explosives in season three three i think um yeah, the, in the camp right there's like the it's it's just, it's a c4 that they they yeah. lined around for the trap yeah season four uh i don't remember the explosives in season four. Oh, season four they they cause um ben, the freighter explodes well the freighter explodes and ben he he blows up like he turns the the orchid station into like a microwave using all right like sticking yeah, metal yeah. in the microwave and then five obviously the nuke goes off in here there's the threat of c4 going off but they never blow up the plane no. uh, but they almost blow up the island so that also that also uh is an interesting thing that so they just took the plane off with a bunch of c4 in it yeah maybe they ditched the c4 at this point yeah i would hope so i would hope so i hope like because i would just imagine a scene of like i don't know miles sneezing and then the plane just explodes yeah you would you would like to think so um then we we have you know the as all of this is going on it somehow deactivates the smoke monsters smoke monster powers he's no longer you know immortal he's no longer invulnerable uh he gets into this big fight with jack before the big big fight uh and he's bleeding for the first time in who knows how long uh and i just i always i always really like that that scene and i especially liked it now because it's just it kind of feels like this big reversal of Locke, who has been you know before he comes to the island who has been suffering from a catastrophic injury for years um and is like stunned to learn that he's healed and now you have this guy who's been parading around with Locke's face who is stunned to find out that he can be wounded i just think that that's a really cool mirror image of the two and and it harkens back to a cool thing from season six that i I just randomly remembered i think when uh lock and ben are walking somewhere and that i think ben asks lock why why does he stay in human form you know why doesn't he just change the smoke monster form and flow around and i think he says like i like to walk around on, on my own two feet it reminds me of being human again so it's interesting to like 
be careful what you wish for because exactly. he, wants, he wants to be human again. But as a result, he is mortal and he's able to bleed his own blood. But Locke is able to get away uh, quickly by utilizing a rock. But this is not the last we'll get of Jack and Locke uh, fighting. This is definitely definitely uh, two out of the ranks number two in terms of fights this episode. Yeah, it's not it's not the it's not the main event that's coming up in a second. No, that is amazing. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, let's let's flash to the sideways again really quickly. Uh, there's a there's a good conversation between Desmond and Ellie. Louise, which we talked about for a second about how always like don't take him uh, please don't please don't take him this was like no no we're fine <laughs> yeah, you, you can you can take him you can you can have faraday i can live without faraday he's, he's giving me enough pain in my life yeah i'm i'm okay without faraday uh wherever they're going it's it's a shame that faraday is not coming with them i know but you know what he's got he he's, he can't be like I, he'd probably be like i can't go i have a gig tomorrow i've got a gig tomorrow <laughs> daniel widmore's career is just heating up daniel widmore has made a career playing all these museum gigs is he the pianist in drops of saeed he, I think he, he came up with the hit piano riff of, of drops of saeed <laughs> yeah he's gonna be part of your band i like that I yeah and uh yeah I I I think we're slowly cobbling together a band here. He wasn't able to join the Ghostbusters, but he can join my train cover he band. He can join Mike's train cover band. That sounds fun. Um but we don't really I mean we we leave him here. We're not going to really hit on Faraday anymore. Um Faraday's fate for as far as we know is going to be being in purgatory, playing piano, wearing this ridiculous fedora for the rest of time. Yes, he's he, hanging out with his mom. I don't, I don't know if Justin Timberlake exists in this universe, but he somehow ripped off his look, even if he doesn't know who he is. He is poor man's Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Very, maybe that's what he's marketing himself as. Like, hey, you know, you know, uh, Justin Timberlake. Uh, well, I'm I, Daniel I, Whitmore. <laughs> well, I can kind of do that. I can kind of <laughs> do that. I'm just like super twitchy, socially awkward <laughs> Justin Timberlake. You ever want uh, Justin Timberlake that uh, is a little epileptic? <laughs> <laughs> that's me. That's you got. You, got, you can hire me ten dollars an hour. Yeah, very cheap. Uh, so we we get that, and then of course we get. I I think for my money, this is the this is the most emotional awakening scene of the of the whole sideways is is uh, Kate and Claire and Charlie. Uh, this if I haven't like had any tears yet in this episode, this is always the moment where it happens. Like I can't help myself, and I'm not even you know I don't even ship. Claire and Charlie super hard or anything like that. I like them a lot. I love, I love Charlie. You know, his, his death is such a huge moment in the show. Claire kind of annoys me here and there, even though there are times when I actually really do like Claire, but these aren't my favorite characters we're dealing with here. But for whatever reason, this moment is just so flipping emotional when, when they all get together and they all start to see each other and remember each other. And there's a baby involved and that probably has things to do with it. So I don't know about you, Mike, but I'm i I'm always a little bit of a blubbering mess when we get to this. No, I, 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 this is definitely in the top three, uh, for me. And I specifically the, the, the Claire and Charlie stuff. I mean, I, I know the Kate, I think Kate awakens here too. Uh, yeah, all three of them do. So that's, but that's probably the lesser uh, remarked awakening right now. But I, I agree. And I mean, again, contrast this to Saeed and Shannon. This is, you know, that we see their relationship once again. They were only together for like a few seasons, but you can remember, oh yes, they they had such a good chemistry and they developed their relationship so well. And we we forget when we see Charlie disappear for a few seasons that like. I mean, he was such a big character and such a big part of those first few seasons. And so not only was it a treat to see Charlie back in this series finale, but it's so nice to see him reunited with Claire, too, because even when Charlie was gone, they had no idea what to do with Claire. So we basically had Claire kind of missing from the show, too. Yeah. Yeah. They hodored her. Yeah. For, and then the, but uh, it's her beyond the wall to be but it's like unseen if, for a season. 
But then it's if it's like if Hodor went beyond the wall and then he came back and he was just babbling nonsense yeah. besides his own name. He came he came back with a horrible wig. Yes, and exactly. A, and a squirrel baby. And, 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 and Bernard's beard. Yes, exactly. Uh, that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. Um, we should we should talk about this now. Epic battle. Epic final fight between not Locke and Jack. Uh, another reversal of the lost premiere where we have this climactic scene involving the smoke monster and, you know, everybody running away from the smoke monster. And this time Jack is literally running at the smoke monster and the smoke monster is running toward him as well. And you get for my money, the best shot uh, of, of the finale next to probably Jack's actual death is Jack jumping in the air with the flying dragon punch. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like a 300 move. It's so silly, but it's so good. Did, did you go to those rocks on your Hawaiian yeah, trip? I, I've seen these rocks. These rocks are really very easy to, to have access to. It's just on the main road that goes around the whole island. Uh, you can just pull, you can pull in and just walk those rocks pretty easily. You're probably not supposed to walk them, but you can. It's pretty easy. To do. <laughs> and if you look on the left, you'll see blood from Matthew Fox's stab wound. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is the, the site of, of Jack Shepard suffering a fatal knife wound and the smoke monsters brains are over there. Oh, come on. I haven't seen the show yet. Ah, uh, you spoiled it for me. Spoiled it for me. I should have gone on this lost specific tour when I haven't seen the show yet. Yeah. Why did I do it? Uh, but yeah, this fight is great. Yeah. It's, it's pretty damn epic. And we've seen a bunch of epic, fight scenes throughout the throughout the series but this is as crazy as it might be of jack as you said like uh, doing a soaring punch into lock uh it's it's just so much fun to watch and then the knife gets involved again lock is upgraded from uh from rock to knife and there's this fun part where they're like both trying to reach for it and then we get we kind of get the story of where Jack's bleeding wound comes from in the sideways universe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you absolutely do. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly like he, ha- he asks his mom at one point, I think, uh, did I have my appendix removed when I was a kid or something like that? And there's also, you know, the neck wound that he notices in the bathroom in the first episode of season six. So yeah. you're getting, you're getting those highlights here. That's it's a, it's a nice callback. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, this is when uh, Kate gets her little callback redemption. She got her. This is it's just been revoked moment where, you know, Locke is about to kill Jack. And he says, like, you know, you died for nothing, which is got to be such a dig at Jack. Considering the, again, after this whole 316 landing, he's been driven by a higher meaning. But then Kate luckily shows up and she saved him a bullet. I saved you a bullet. <laughs> middling applause you did it kate and i am an evangeline lily apologist i think that evangeline lily is so overlooked when we talk about the great actors from this series i think that her stepping on the lost with very 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 little to no experience uh as an actor and and pulling off what she does in the pilot and pulling off um episodes that she does along the way i again just reiterate that whatever happened happened is a master class for her uh is her finest acting in the entire series and i think that she's really terrific but i don't think that kate is always written very well and i just think that this it feels it feels off the way that this happens just the line is really not great and um i don't know just the way that she kind of you know comes in and saves the day out of nowhere it's just it's a bizarre look for kate it just feels sort of out of sync with the rest of the finale yeah admittedly the end not the best episode for Kate, <laughs> considering that like it seems like sideways might be a little different, but it, at least in our world, it's her kind of like 
you know, she's very associated with Jack and when she keeps telling Jack to, to come back with them on the plane. And then the, her other part of her storyline is going up to Claire and saying like, Oh no, you're, you're not crazy. Come be a mom, get on the plane. Come, come with us. Get, get come with on us the plane. If, come with us. If you want to live, yeah, come with me if you want to live. Yeah. It's just, it's not fantastic. I also would say that Sawyer doesn't have a fantastic. Yeah. Episode. I mean, he gets, he gets his nice little Juliet moment, but I mean, outside of that, he really, yeah, he really doesn't do anything. I think it's, he has so much more, uh, he must has much better moments, both in sideways and real world, uh, in the rest of season six. Yeah. I hope that Joe Garfine isn't listening to this because she's such a big Juliet fan. And so am I, I love Juliet and I like Sawyer and Juliet together a lot, but their awakening here actually doesn't do much for me. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, anything that's uh, oriented around a vending machine. Uh, it, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the best scene ever, right? It, we could go Dutch, Mike. <laughs> it's very true but uh I, I you were were you happy to see apollo candy bars make their appearance again of course how could you not be yeah even though that one looked a little old like an, an old apollo bar how old do you think it was like a, i mean i'm probably not from 1975 but hopefully not <laughs> i think i think they remain in production yeah it just it seemed like i mean i don't know how often they replaced the candy in that vending machine anyway yeah um i don't know i i just i i think that there are stronger awakening scenes in this episode the the sawyer and juliet one just i don't know i don't know i think it's 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 juliet having been away from the show for so long this is really her only appearance in the final season um it's just it's not my it's not my favorite yeah, and considering again the weird circumstances behind it, you know, you have Jin and Son. It happens when they they see their child, and with with Claire and Charlie, it's when she gives birth to Aaron, which was such a pivotal moment in both those characters' lives. Yeah, with Juliet and Sawyer, they touched a candy bar at the same time, <laughs> but they they were so sweet on each other. Oh, <laughs> wow! Are you are you doing jokes with uh, Daniel Widmore at the museum yeah. parties? <laughs> <laughs> I also do comedy. <laughs> you know like justin timberlake i i do comedy too <laughs> i'm like a bad louis ck <laughs> daniel fw <laughs> daniel 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 <laughs> farrah 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 day i just now i want to see louis with daniel faraday just like squinting around still have still in the exact same situation he's divorced he has two daughters yeah his two daughters are trying to get him help as he's trying not to soil himself <laughs> you ever you ever feel that you're just uh, you're stuck between two two timelines <laughs> yeah this is, a, this is not a show that i think should ever exist no it's he's not he's not killing at the comedy center no he's he's really not um what do you what do you think about uh you know we, we talk about about the big emotions in the flash sideways how about the big reveal we talked about it a little bit before the big reveal Jack and Kate saying their goodbyes, kissing each other and dropping some L bombs. I love you. I love you. Uh, what do you think? Do you like this scene? Do you like this declaration of love? Um, I like it. I, I like it. I'll, I'll say I like it out of context. I think I'll, I'll be honest that I think tracking the Jack and Kate relationship throughout the series is I don't want to use the term chore, but it's, it's a little arduous just because of all the ups and downs. I want to get Sawyer involved. I want to get Juliet involved. It's been like the one constant, but sort of an ever changing constant at the same time. That being said, I mean, this is if, if this if we put it in the context that this is the last time they'll see each other in this life. I think it's it's a very I think it's a sweet scene again for all the underutilization of Kate in this episode. Uh, I think the, the kiss is very nice. and I think the minutes of love to each other is very nice as well, because these are also two people that don't ever use that word really no love is a love is a strong word for both of these people yeah although he's told her he's loved her before in the past 
Yeah, well, at least at least she reciprocates at this time. Yeah, yeah. He get he gets to hear it back, even though you know they were engaged at one point in time, but it was a while ago at this point. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was when the beard was going on. <laughs> Not quite yet. The beard was coming. Beard was on the way. The beard, the beard was brewing. Yeah, but you know, I I um I think that the that the true romance of this episode is the true bromance between Jack and Hurley. The the goodbye between Jack and Hurley really really crushes me every time. Yeah. You know, I, just, I hate seeing Hurley in tears. You never want to see sad Hurley. So uh, that, yeah. And this past few episodes have really been on Island Hurley, just in hysterics because after Jin and son and Saeed died, we see him break down. He, he breaks down a few times this episode. Like it's tough because Jack has been such a, a, a source of guidance to him and to have him basically say like, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to sacrifice myself. It's, it's a tough pill to swallow. It's hard. It's hard. And I, I just, I hate seeing sad Hurley. You know, this was one of the things that, that Pete pointed out was happy. Hurley is one of the reasons to love season six. And I do love the happy Hurley stuff, but the sad Hurley makes me sad. It makes me very sad to see him here, even though he's going to get to drink the Jacob juice and he's going to become the new Jacob of the Island. And that's pretty good. And do you, do you think Jack's sacrifice leads to Hurley eventually deciding to stay on the island? Because I think that's a really underplayed pivotal moment in the character arc too. Because it seems like everyone for, for who for Jack or for Hurley for, for Hurley yeah. because it's because nearly everyone else that obviously didn't grow up in the island like Ben leaves the island on the plane. They want to get out of there, but Hurley wants to stay behind, and maybe it, it connects more to season five of him feeling like there was nothing for him to kind of go back for, but he sort of has his own come to moment in this timeline where he thinks like, maybe this is my meaning too. And maybe I'm supposed to stay here as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. Hurley's arc is fantastic. I remember, um, when when this season was airing and a lot of people were kind of predicting like who which of the candidates is going to be the leader it's got to be jack right it's got to be jack jack has been positioned as the main character it's not going to be sawyer uh you know Locke is dead unless Locke is going to come back to life but i feel like we've already tried that trick and it's not going to happen again and people weren't really feeling the Saeed or kwan thing but hurley was somebody that people were talking about like it's going to be hurley hurley is going to be the leader in the end and i kind of was like no it's got to be jack jack has to be the guy and it turns out that it's kind of both of them you know it's jack for a day and hurley for hopefully a very long time um and you know i i i don't know why i was so quick to dismiss it because in retrospect when you do watch hurley's arc um when you when you go back and you watch all of lost knowing everything that you know and being able to see like where is hurley the leader like where is he at this point where is he at this point where is where is the man who is one day going to be the master of all of this um and i think that it's there i think that there's there's a lot there along the way on lost that you can kind of point to and be like this makes sense for why hurley is building to this place where he is you know not not necessarily the underdog the whole time, but always the guy who's overlooked, always the guy who's yeah. overestimated, always the guy who's just judged as a joke and not taken seriously. You know, the a, a big moment that I would point to, and there's you know tons of examples you could point to, but there's his first episode ever. You know, his first um, POV episode, uh, numbers, his first flashback uh, when he is on the booby trap and everyone's like trying to figure out a way to get something to replace his weight, and they're like, "Are you sure we can find anything to replace his weight?" And he's like don't worry about it i can just get out of the way i'll be good they're like hurley don't do that you're not gonna be okay says don't worry i'm spry and he hops off the thing and like the big battering ram is about to fall on him but no he's spry enough and he falls out of the way uh and everyone was thinking that hurley would just get obliterated if he did what he said he was going to do but hurley was able to do it because hurley is a badass and people really need to recognize um so hurley is a character that's constantly underestimated on lost and for that to be the guy who's sitting on 
the, you know, the proverbial iron throne at the end of the day. I think it's a really cool comment on the show. I think it's a really, really cool comment on the character. And I really just like this idea that, you know, this is a guy who thought that he was deeply, deeply cursed when he went from having, you know, very little in his life to having so, so much, you know, he wins the lottery. He does something that people just dream about. He becomes, uh, you know, filthy, filthy rich, uh, and is able to pay for anything that his heart desires. But, you know, emphasis on filthy, like everything that happens in his life from that moment forward, he deems as a curse to the point that he thinks that he's caused this plane crash when in reality, it kind of turns out that the plane crash is a blessing. And, you know, he, he might, you know, he might be considered dead to the world, but he has found this place that's going to end up being his calling. And he might be worth several million dollars in, you know, lottery winnings that are no longer existent. Uh, but he's got that oceanic six money. That's all good and dandy, but he's got something truly priceless in this Island. And I think that that's just a, a really cool spot to leave Hurley in is to have him here being, being the guy at the top of the mountain. It's just, it's not what I expected for him at all, but when you get there and when you can go back and watch, watch uh, Hurley's arc knowing that that's where we're going. It's just, it's really, really great stuff. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I think it's interesting to think of him as I, I wouldn't necessarily call him like the leader behind the scenes, but you also have to think about Hurley in terms of the relationships he's made. And he's one of the main characters of the ensemble that has made probably the most solid connections with like each of the other uh, Oceanic A15 people. He's the they, best friend. Yeah, and even even the other people like he's had relationships with Ben uh, and other people throughout the series. And so it, I completely agree. It's when Hurley's chosen, it's a little bit of a WTF choice again, just because we've had Jack as a leader hammered into us for the for six seasons. Yeah, but once he steps into it, you realize like, oh wait, he's a super benevolent. B has an amazing heart and C is like has, has made the connections and is able to really be there for people when they, when they've had problems, both physical and emotional. And I think by that mark, that makes him the perfect leader. And I feel like Ben sort of sees that as well. And I mean, if we talk about Hurley's kind of a pivotal, pivotal moment being underplayed, I feel like Ben has an underplayed moment here as well, both in the, uh, in the sideways role with him deciding to stay behind and in our timeline when he's, relegates kind of relegates the position to Hurley. Absolutely. I think that I think that Hurley and Ben have two of the smartest endings of any character on the show, two of the most satisfying. Um, I mean, I'm very satisfied by so many of the endings of these characters. I know a lot of people aren't satisfied with John Locke, but I love the John Locke arc. I think it's really great. I love what they do with Jack. Uh, I think that those two plus Hurley and Ben, those would probably be my four favorite complete arcs on Lost. And I think what they do with Ben is very intelligent. You know, they could just kill Ben. It would be so easy to kill Ben. There's many points in Lost where you would love to know that this show is building toward Ben just getting beaten to death. Like that would just be spectacular because he's such a little prick. But he ends up, you know, if not fully redeeming himself, and I don't think that he does, he at least gets to this point where you know, you kind of, you feel for him. You, you feel for what he's been through, you know, despite all of the terrible things that he's done, you do kind of see a guy underneath all of that who feels regret about where he, you know, made certain decisions. And especially when he has that scene outside of the church with Locke, where yeah. Locke stands up and Locke standing up is another one of just the absolutely tremendous 
images of this finale. It's one of the most powerful things. And I think without that moment of Locke getting out of the chair, I probably wouldn't be quite as good with the Locke arc as I am. But that's the that's the note that I just I adore. I adore that moment for John Locke. But having been, you know, say to him, like, I'm really, really sorry. I was selfish. I was jealous. I wanted everything you had. Um, and, and just that admission and Locke forgiving him and then him still feeling like he needs to stay here, despite the fact that him and Hurley apparently did a lot of good on the island because yeah. they have this line together where, where Hurley says uh, you were a real good number two and Ben says you were a great number one Hugo uh, you know even throughout all of the good that they were able to do there Ben still just doesn't feel up to snuff to, to walk through the door so I think that's just a, a really really intelligent melancholy note to leave him on yeah and I as, as a Ben lover I, 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 I know some people disparage him not going into the church but I think it's a I think it's totally logical decision because I mean, yes, he might've done a lot of good for the island, but I mean, you have to think about the stuff that he did those these past four seasons he was on. And even the stuff that we presume he does before that as well, he did a lot of bad stuff. And I think, you know, the bend of the past few seasons was him really, especially after Alex was killed is him really coming to terms with his personal demons. And I think they emphasize in this episode that with this reality, it's about, you know, you, once you awaken and you make the choice to let go and move on, that's when you go inside the church. And I think that Ben knows that he, he still has some stuff that he needs to personally hash out so that he can be at peace. And I, I think, uh, I think that even the more pivotal thing for me is when, you know, he tells Locke, you know, I was jealous that you were special. Yeah. And I think that speaks so much towards Ben's psychology because he has finally come to the realization after saying how much he's been doing everything for Jacob and, you know, culminating with him actually stabbing Jacob in the season five finale to have him kind of just say out loud, I thought I was the chosen one and it didn't work. And I did all this stuff because I thought I was the chosen one and it's got all this blood on my hands. And now I realize that I'm just a normal person is like such an amazing place to end that character. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned the subtitles before Uh, in this conversation with Locke and Ben, the subtitles on Netflix have been saying I was selfish and jealous. I wanted everything you ha. (laughs) Maybe, maybe he was, maybe he mis maybe, uh, Michael Emerson misread it and he was supposed to give a chuckle after that line. Yeah. I wanted everything you. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that was terrifying. That's he does go into like a Fran Drescher laugh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> terrifying. We don't, we don't need a uh, Ben Drescher. I mean, have you, have you seen Ben laugh? I don't know. We could, for all we know, that could have been his laugh. He doesn't laugh too often. No, I think he's, he's laughed from time to time. Very he's rare. The, he's the one heckler in uh, Daniel Faraday's comedy cellar set. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Uh, yeah, he would. Maybe that's why he's staying in the in purgatory. It's like, I have a few things I still need to do. I have, t- I have tickets to, to Daniel WF. Daniel F. W. Why is your nose bleeding? Danny FW. Yeah, why is your nose bleeding? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be good. You're such yeah. a mama's boy, Daniel. Yeah, <laughs> no, poor, poor Ben. Um, what do you what do you think of the final scene between Jack and Christian? We made fun of this a little bit before, but do you like this scene? Do you like that Jack gets to have this this great moment with Christian where he gets some his, some resolution in, in his life? And we as as the viewers, we get to kind of feel a little bit better about how those two left things. Yeah, so Christian Shepard's an interesting choice to be this envoy, right? Because he is uh, the only, only appearance of the season, too. 
Yeah, because because he he represents a lot, obviously, throughout the throughout even his his presence throughout the season or the series with appearing as like a a, a specter in front of Jack has uh, led to a lot of psychological being stuff the smoke like, monster. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to have him here is a little interesting, just because, like you said, we haven't seen the character in a long time, and he represents so many different things. I mean, that being said. Of all the people to tell you this stuff and break the news to you, I guess your family member should probably be the best person to do so. Thinking back, I can't, I mean, I can't really think of a character, other character that would do so other than maybe Jacob. But even then, Jacob was so associated with the island that it wouldn't make sense for him to be off the island explaining it. So <clears throat> I, I like, I like the Kristen Shepard role here. I mean, again, he's, uh, I, I like the, the kiddos that he throws in there because I, it, it speaks to their relationship, uh, which makes it not so generic. Uh, and it's, it's again, a little out of left field that he serves as this framing device for this sort of 11 o'clock number of a twist, but I, I enjoy it. And the, the, the performance is good as well. Oh, he's, he's great. It's always good to have Christian Shepard on the show. And I mean, look, I'm not, if, if we wanted to hack into the flash sideways, we would be here for at least another hour to two hours. I'm not going to do it. I'm real. I'm really just responding to it from an emotional standpoint for this podcast. Cause it, it really does hit you really, really right in the feels as, as the millennials would say, uh, you know, it really, it really does just make you feel, you know, a lot of feelings, you know, you're, you're laughing, you're crying, you're feeling excited for these people to finally have some closure in their lives and i think that's great on a practical side like i got my questions mike i've got my questions of uh like how can you die in the flash sideways how can you get shot in the flash sideways and you die what happens to you there and how can dead people just like spring to life like christian shepherd is here like i there's there's practical things that i get hung up on and i'm trying really hard not to think too hard about it just seeing christian and jack in this scene just from a pure emotional gut instinct level. I remember how I felt five years ago when I watched this for the first time. I was deeply moved, really, mm-hmm. really moved with this whole final scene. I was watching it with my wife and my friend Ben, who's appeared on Lost Lives before. Uh, and I, you know, I, I lost it. You know, I was, I was sobbing throughout the whole final, you know, movements of this episode. And a lot of that comes down to Christian being here. And I think that the, as, as much as the series sets up the sideways well, I think that they set this up fairly well throughout the season with where's Christian's body. We don't know where he is. And then like a couple episodes earlier they mentioned that um christians they've found christian's body it's on its way back to the states so there's kind of like this feeling of um you know a big moment a big revelation is on there uh, it's on its way it's like flying towards jack's life uh fairly urgently so i i do like that i think that using christian here is great i think maybe jacob would have would have been good or Locke would have been really good i don't know that Locke being the guy who shows up would have as much of emotional mm-hmm. resonance just because like we've been seeing so much of Locke. If you really want to hit it with a character who we haven't seen in a while, Christian Shepard probably is the best choice. I don't think that there's anybody that comes to mind that would be better. Yeah, I I, I think the cool thing about Christian Shepard too is that this is also a character that has been dead from episode one of Lost. And I think that represents a lot more than a character that maybe died on island throughout the series because this is a character talking about death and he's been dead the whole time. And yeah. I think that's, that's a much bigger representation of moving on and death than a character that might've passed uh, while, while we might've seen their passing while on the Island. And I'll give my own little story here about when I saw the finale and why this scene, this scene uh, emotionally resonated with me so much as well. Uh, I, this was, I ju- was just finishing my junior year of college and I had stayed 
for senior week to see off a lot of the seniors. And so it's, it's not as pivotal of like a life moment as graduating, but still it's, it's this weird kind of limbo area where now you are kind of being seen as like the leader and in a year's time, you're going to be the one leaving and making that life decision. So it's like a, a weird sort of purgatory like feeling. And specifically this one part of the scene that, that really caught me and it even caught me on this rewatch where, you know, they talk about uh, Jack's talking about leaving and Christian just says not leaving, moving on. Moving on. Yeah. was like a, such an interesting way to like view not only death, but the whole process of like life steps. And that's something that I've kind of carried with me, not only throughout the end of my college career, but you know, in the years that followed thereafter, just because it's such an emotionally resonating moment. And I mean, speaking in a meta perspective as well, this is kind of the writers talking to the fans as well about like, it's time to end. We need to leave. We need to move on. Uh, and I think to it's lost too. Till, exactly until lost until the the doors close and that's the first shot of lost two that's what i don't spoil it man come on um yeah that's on that's on the big whiteboard as well uh but yeah i i i think this these next few scenes these last few scenes after the you know after we and after we deal with all this plane stuff taking off as well i think they're some of the most beautiful scenes in the series to be honest and i think anybody who uh, has their complaints about the finale and I, I i know we've we've thrown thrown a few barbs at the finale as well i think there's no denying that these the last like five to ten minutes of the episode is stunning oh absolutely stunning really 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 fantastic um it's just you know jack walking through the jungle and finding vincent and him you know seeing the ajira plane take off knowing that he pulled it off uh cut that with you know everybody glad handing each other and hugging each other in the church i think is really it's really pretty sweet um and just the final shot of the whole series of of jack's eye closing is it's an iconic image and i think there's there's still arguments to this day and it will continue for a while did lost stick the landing yes for many no for many uh for me yes and no and i think the big yes for me in the finale is this whole like final sequence is just uh from from the basically from the last line of dialogue i think the last line is it belongs to Locke, which is we were waiting for you yeah uh and you know from that moment on through the rest of the episode it's like another two or three minutes of just uh you know you gotta end lost on a mod how can you not uh and you know cutting between the sideways and and jack you know finding his final resting place and his final resting place is where he began the whole series is just it's a beautiful thing mike it's a good stuff it's a it's a really good way to end this whole story and i'll say you know whether it's stuck the landing i would say it it pulled like a mary lou retton it's stuck the landing but kind of on a broken leg because i think uh that's impressive too that's that's extremely impressive i would say it's even uh, it's it's sometimes even more impressive because i think the the problem people had with this was that when if the people that were associated with the mysteries when this ending came along uh they were angry that things weren't solved they were angry they thought they're like oh wait they said that they weren't dead in the in the season one but they actually are dead which got explained later that yes that i mean they they were dead but they when they existed on the island they were still alive so i think there obviously are were people that kind of you know, through tomatoes at this ending. But I, I think in spite of a kind of wonky sixth season and even a kind of wonky elements of the finale, I, again, I just can't say it enough. These last few scenes are, are beautiful. They are. They're great. They're, they're really terrific. And, um, you know, 
I, I, I am, I am very on the record about the problems that I have with the final season, but the final episode is really great. It's, it's really strong, you know, get, getting to talk about it around this time of year, you know, it's about, you know, you're listening to this. Hopefully you guys are listening to this on May 23rd. We're recording this a little bit before that. And we're talking about, you know, the five year anniversary. It just, it makes me feel really nostalgic for the show in a way that I really, I mean, I really have basically this whole process that we've been doing lost lives, uh, you know, on and off. We did it very heavily around the 10 year anniversary of the premiere uh and we've been doing a few of these recently which has been nice uh and hopefully we've got we've got a few more coming up in the not super distant future we're gonna we're gonna keep trying to hit you know at least once a month is really what i'm hoping for if not you know once or twice um and i i just you know right right around now the five-year anniversary of the show going off the air i'm just feeling nostalgic for it um and watching watching the series finale at at that you know at this moment just it's a powerful thing it really is it really still moves you if you're a big lost fan i hope that you guys uh are spending your day you know at least listening to this if not outright watching the final episode because it's it's just it's good stuff it really is yeah absolutely and i I mean it's it's also interesting thinking that that was five years ago it's five years man yeah yeah time time flies and i mean time travels and it's also putting it into context as well i mean i remember there was like the the jimmy kimmel special afterward there was there was this whole uh three hour i mean it aired on a sunday and there was this whole special previously leading up to to it so like this this was probably one of the biggest television events of the past five years, I would argue. Oh yeah, absolutely. The lost finale was a, was a huge, huge moment. Yeah. Even, even people that had like, you know, had written off the show for a while. said like, okay, I'm going to come back and watch this finale. I mean, I, I forget, I forget what the numbers were, uh, besides four, eight, 15, 16, 23 and 42. You'll never forget those. Uh, but it was, I brought in huge ratings and it was 13.5 million according to Wikipedia. And that's, I mean, it's, it, it's, it was a cultural milestone of the, of the 2010s. It, It absolutely was. It was, um, it was, you know, it was, it was the kind of thing that there were people who who watched the episode out of spite. Like there was hate watching yeah. of the finale too, and I think that that was was a big part of the big echo chamber that happened after the finale uh, of uh, a lot you you hearing a lot of people very vocally you know tearing the finale down and you know using it to plant the flag in the dirt and saying yep lost sucked definitively you know i think that there were a lot of people that i think that there are fans of lost people who watched all the way through who who did feel that way but i think a lot of the people who contributed to those to those opinions were probably people who just like hopped into lost to watch the final episode um you know that noise has died uh, not not completely but it's the, the zap has died the, the, the low magnetic zap uh has gone you know it's gone to a, a low magnetic zap at this point but uh if you have the subtitles on, you could still see those words every once in a while. You know, you still hear it every now and then. You know, I I bring up to people once in a while that I podcast about Lost, uh, and they're always like, "Really? You do? You know, it's been a while, and that show wasn't so great." And I say, "Sure, it's been a while, but that show is fantastic." And you're wrong. Um, so it's you know, it's I I think that you know, five years later, the people who are really going to come out and just like take a dump all over Lost's grave. I think they are fewer and further between than they certainly were five years ago. And I think that the people who are still really thinking about the show on a day like this uh, are, are mostly the fans. And that's, and it's a really enduring fan base. Uh, people who really are super passionate about the show and, and still really care about it. Warts and all. And a lot of people don't even see the warts. Um, 
Um, and uh, I envy the crap out of those people. But the people, even the people who acknowledge that there are there are wrinkles in the show, can still love the show and have a have a really special moment reconnecting with the show. Uh, and so I don't know. That's a it's a big rambling way of saying I'm really glad that I went back and I watched this. Yeah, me me too. I as I said before, I really loved the episode uh, when I watched the first couple times, but even going back to watch it now is I'm just reminded about all the great stuff it does to wrap it up. Admittedly, as we talked about before, some things might've been a little cheesy. Some characters may have been a little underutilized or utilized in different ways, but at the end of the day, they, they did a besides these, again, these beautiful 10 minutes that I was talking about before. I mean, you have like the Jack and Locke fight and you have the sort of, uh, finishing off of those characters. You have the, the Hurley and Ben stuff as well, which we had talked about before as being, we both felt really nice closing to their character arc. So there is a lot of great stuff in this finale and Yes, there are warts, but we're going to stick those warts in a pot of boiling water uh, and hopefully get get treat them well. Yeah. Give the show a second chance, people. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least give this finale a second chance. Yes. Uh, you, you talked before about how, you know, it, it's an interesting episode to show someone if you want them to get either back into Lost or if they haven't seen the show in a while or they're looking for a rewatch. Uh, I, I would I would, you know, I would give the challenge to our listeners to watch this finale See if you hated the ending before, if you react as vehemently to it as you did when you first saw it. And if not, then uh, try try looking back at the series as a whole and seeing under these new under this new lens. How is the series viewed? Because honestly, watching the series again, having known what this ending is, it's very, very different in a good way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, Mike. Uh, that's a good way to end this. I think. Uh, thanks so much for this. This was this was a ton of fun. What should we? What what hashtag should we do here? Is it drops of Saeed? Yeah, we we got to promote my band early, right? I think so. I think hashtag drops of Saeed is where we got to go. Uh, follow Mike on Twitter. He's at a Mike Bloom type. I'm at Round Howard. Thanks so much, guys, for celebrating the five year anniversary of the Lost finale with us. Uh, really fun. Got more Lost lives coming your way at some point in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, um, if not, uh, certainly certainly by June, if not sooner, uh, probably just going to be June. It's getting pretty close to the end of May here, but we'll see. We'll see. You never know. Uh, Mike, thanks so much, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.